today we're continuing our series on prayer. And I want to ask you this question. How do you pray? Check this out. I pray anytime, anywhere. I don't bow down on my knees and pray, but I do hope for stuff, and I think that's the same as praying. I pray when I want to talk to him, um, when I feel like I need guidance. Every journal entry I write is titled, like, Dear God, which is kind of weird, oh, really? but it is. And this is the book of prayers that I always have it on me. Giving thanks, mostly. When you pray with your family at meals, it's like, I don't know. I think I would prefer for it to be silent, a little quiet. It's like talking to anybody, you just, but you're talking to God. Be praying in my head, or sometimes I just say it out loud. I just sort of put the thoughts out there, put that idea out there, and then I go about my business hoping that things will just come together. I just chat to him like I'm chatting to you right now. Well, last week we looked at the model that Jesus gave us to pray, and John Burke said something that I thought was so helpful. Prayer is about alignment with God rather than attainment from God. And I, if you missed that message, uh, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. In fact, I forgot to mention, if you do have any vacations this summer, you can always catch up with whatever you missed. We post on uh, my website the notes and the audio at ericbryant.org, and that will still happen even while I'm out of pocket. And also, you may not know this, we have a Sunday night service. In fact, Kenny Green will be speaking tonight at 6 and all throughout the summer, if you're coming back on a Sunday afternoon from a trip, just join us on a Sunday night. But in the midst of this, last week, John Burke talked through the Lord's Prayer, other than the last phrase, which we're going to talk about next week. But I wonder, when you think about prayer, does it bring you excitement or is it more confusing? Do you feel like you connect with God intimately or do you still feel like he's distant. And we realize that in this room, there are many of us in different places in the spiritual journey. And so I want us to talk about prayer just openly and honestly, but I also want to challenge you, no matter where you may be in your spiritual journey, that if you begin to try to connect with God through prayer, you will be amazed. If you have an open heart, if you have an open mind, you're actually being invited to connect with the creator of the universe, the one who created you on purpose and for purpose, the one who has a purpose for your life that he longs for you to discover even more than you want to find it, that you and I have this great privilege of connecting with God. And prayer is incredibly important for even us as a church family. This last year, we created a task force, a prayer win team that's W-I-N for what's important now. And on that team is Kenny Green and Jamie and Amber. And, and they were tasked with this idea of how do we increase the level of prayer, the sincerity of prayer, the intensity of prayer within our church family. And this sermon series is a part of that. But I've also been a part of now every weekday, the campus pastors get together on a conference call at 8 o'clock to pray. Every meeting we have, we, we call it the first five. The first five minutes is just to realign our hearts with God in prayer. There was even this one leadership day where we had a lot to discuss and a lot to decide. 
And uh, we'd never done this before, but it was fascinating. We broke into three teams. One team was working on this project. This team was working on that project. And then one team, their job was just to pray, to pray for the other two teams. And that team went off and got coffee uh, while they were praying. But what was interesting in the midst of that is they came back and we all shared. And there were things they felt prompted to pray about that we actually were talking about that we had found ourselves stuck in and then suddenly had a breakthrough. There was this beautiful interaction with people praying and brainstorming and decision-making, and, and we're seeing that God wants to answer our prayers even more than we can imagine. I wonder, when it comes to prayer, is that something that you've made a priority in your life, or is that something you've given up on? Because prayer is just like anything else. It takes practice. It, it requires spiritual muscles. Did any of you know any bodybuilders? And maybe some of you have been a bodybuilder. I, I've heard, I, I don't know this from experience, but from what I understand, bodybuilders say that if you keep doing the same exercises, your body becomes used to it and you no longer grow. That you actually have to change up your exercises in order to keep your, your body growing to its strongest. Well, the same is true in our prayer life. Some of us, our relationship with prayer, it's been the same since we were kids, or it's been the same since we entered into faith. And, and perhaps today, what I hope you'll get from this is new ways to pray, new ways to stretch your faith to connect to God. And I want to give you three different ways that you can start to pray if you're not already doing this. The first is contemplative listening prayer. Now, if you read the Bible, it's very clear throughout that God speaks to us. The catch is not that God is not speaking. The, the catch is we're not listening. Listen to some of these passages. Job 33. But God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. He speaks in dreams. He whispers in their ear. Or this one, Jeremiah 6. God says through Jeremiah, to whom can I give warning? Who will listen when I speak? Their ears are closed and they cannot hear. They scorn the word of the Lord. They don't want to listen at all. See, the prophets say a similar thing. We must learn to have spiritual ears that hear and spiritual eyes that see. And if we do not, we will not hear or see. Jesus said the same thing in Mark 4. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Or in Mark 8, do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? Do you have an open heart? Do you have an open mind? Do you want to hear from God? See, oftentimes God is whispering. He's communicating to us. But we're too busy or self-consumed to, to actually listen. And you would think it would be easy if the creator of the universe, if he has this power to create these stars and planets that just go on forever and ever, if he has the power to create the intricacies of what becomes a human being, then, then why is it so hard to hear him? See, God does not force us to seek him. He does not force us to hear him. He does not force us to make him a priority or learn to listen. And it's for a very intentional reason. Because God, what he wants most is our hearts. It requires our attention 
And a booming command from God doesn't take any level of faith. Right? If you could hear God just speaking, turn left at the light, it, it doesn't require that attentiveness. It doesn't require a, a heart that's willing to listen. See, a whisper does. A whisper makes us lean in and pay attention. It's a type of intimate conversation to listen deeply. See, we connect with God through faith. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 11. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. See, we're invited into a relationship with God and the access point to God is faith. It's an acknowledgement that I may not be able to see you, I may not be able to hear you like I do other people around me, but I am going to trust that you are not only real, but that you love me. That what you say to me through the scriptures is true. That I can actually listen and hear your voice as like a whisper in my soul and act on what I hear. That, all of that requires faith. See, really, if you think about it, the act of communication is, right now, I'm trying to get my thoughts into your head. How am I doing so far? See, many times when we're sitting there listening to someone, our thoughts are going too. And you might only get half of what I'm saying. And sometimes that is certainly the, the fault of the communicator, but sometimes it's the fault of the listener. But see, if, if I could just put my thoughts in your head, there's still no guarantee that you'll act on those thoughts. You could ignore those thoughts. You, you could assume they're thoughts you don't need. Maybe you just want to replace them with your own thoughts. But here's what's interesting. As a finite human being, I cannot put my thoughts in your mind. I need a microphone. I, I need the space, the time to, to talk to you so that you can listen but here's what's remarkable. The creator of the universe can put his thoughts in your mind. The catch is, are we willing to listen? See, listening prayer puts us in a position to hear God's thoughts. That our mind can become like the mind of Christ, the scriptures tell us. But the key to listening prayer is that open heart we learn to listen by having a, a willing heart of faith. If our heart is hard or we're unwilling to even act upon what we hear God saying, then we won't hear anything at all. Listen to this passage from Matthew 13. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving, for this people's heart has become calloused. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. See, this passage tells us that God is speaking, but we're not listening. Because if we were to start listening, then we would find the healing we're so desperately searching for in other places. And so I want to encourage you to, in the morning, 
before the busyness of the day, before all the to-dos on your list start screaming at you, to just create some space to connect with God. Now, I, I want to just do a quick poll. I'm just curious. How many of you use the alarm on your cell phone to wake you up in the morning? Just a show of hands. A lot of us, many of us. Now, I don't know if you've gotten trapped in this bad habit as I have. But that alarm goes off, and immediately we have access to the world, the interwebs. And immediately, you can turn that alarm off and enter into a time of connecting with God through prayer. Or you can see how many people liked your Instagram post. You can see what's going on with your friends on Facebook. Or, or you could go and read the news. You ever wake up and wonder if we're at World War III yet? <laughs> and you just go to the news. Do you know that this week in the news I read that bad news is making us sick? I thought that was interesting that that was an article in the news encouraging us not to come to that exact website. But it's literally making us sick because of how interconnected we are. There are things that are happening all around the world that we knew nothing about in the past. And now it feels like the world is falling apart every single day. And as a result, we're getting sick. So what if you went old school? You got one of those battery-powered or alarms you got to plug in. Now, the good thing about those is they have that big old snooze button. Remember how beautiful it was to hit that, hear that click of the snooze button? Maybe for you, you, you might need to do as I've tried to do and get my phone out of the room. Because once that alarm goes off, that is the perfect time to connect your heart to God. The perfect time in the stillness of the morning. And here's how listening prayer can work. First, you, you start with just surrendering your will. You're getting yourself in the posture of a willingness to do God's will in your life. Be brutally honest with yourself and with God. But move yourself to the place where you can tell him, I'm struggling to trust you with this, and I want to hear what you have to say about that, but I'm afraid of what you're going to say. Just be honest with where you're at on whether you're willing to listen and even more crazy, ready to actually do what you sense God is saying to you. Now, i got to warn you, if you're unwilling in some area, that's like putting your fingers in your spiritual ears. You won't be able to hear anything. But see, willingness to obey God's prompting unstops our spiritual ears. Now, here's where it gets very interesting. If you move to that place of openness, willingness to trust God, willingness and wanting to hear from Him, then whether it's the snooze, you got nine minutes before it goes off again. Or maybe if you are able to avoid looking at websites on your phone, use that stopwatch on your phone and give yourself 10 minutes to listen for God to speak. There's this beautiful little passage in the scriptures where Samuel, this young man, teenager probably, heard God's voice. And he was confused by it, and so he learned to pray this prayer, Lord, speak, I'm willing, I'm listening. And maybe you just start that next nine-minute run, that next ten minutes, God, would you just speak to me and see what might happen. If you have a heart already realigned with him, see if there's thoughts. Maybe it's someone comes to mind that you haven't thought of in a while. Maybe God's putting that person on your mind to pray for or to reach out, to spend time with them. 
Now, I've talked about this before. This is very important. The way that we can discern God's thoughts from our own thoughts, from the thoughts from the dark places, is God's thoughts are always selfless. They require courage or faith, and they're consistent with his character as revealed in the scriptures. If you remember that series we did called Get a New God, we looked for several weeks at this one description of God's long version of his name. It's this in Exodus 34. I am the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. He is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. He lavishes unfailing love to a thousand generations. He forgives iniquity, rebellion, and sin and brings justice to the guilty. See, the thoughts in our mind that are selfless require faith and courage and consistent with a loving God. Those thoughts are probably not yours. I I don't know about you, but my thoughts tend to be more selfish. They tend to be what requires the least amount of faith or courage. But when we have a thought that is selfless, a thought that prompts us towards serving someone else, towards doing good for someone else, towards praying for someone else, that thought could be from God, the creator of the universe whispering into your heart and your soul. And if you have trouble focusing, if your mind starts to wander, then this is where this idea of meditation can be really important. See, in the scriptures, the idea of meditation means filling your mind with God's word. It doesn't mean emptying your mind. It actually means filling your mind with God's word. The word meditation, it's used 25 times in scripture. It's this Hebrew word, hagah, which actually conveys this idea of kind of chewing, kind of mulling. And and so maybe it's a a favorite passage of scripture. Maybe it's it's a verse that you've memorized. Maybe it's, it's... Something about the character of God that you just mull over, think about for those 10 minutes so that your mind doesn't wander, doesn't start to fill with all the wrong things. Listen to this. Psalm 63 says this. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. So I think this is saying we shouldn't look at our phone right before bed either. Joshua 1.8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. What if every beginning of the day and every end of the day we're connecting our hearts to God, that we're meditating, filling our mind with God's thoughts, God's words to us. Or Psalm 77, I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. See, we see these examples from the scriptures of focusing on an aspect of God's character or a promise that God makes in the scriptures or something he's done, even in your own life. And when we begin to meditate on the goodness of God, verses like, come to me, all you who are burdened, and I will give you rest, start to actually come alive. Or this verse, peace, be still. In those 10 minutes, we're able to connect in such a way that it becomes a way to center our lives, to go in the right direction. 1 Samuel 3.9, as I said earlier, says this. Samuel says to God, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's the posture of a listening prayer. Well, Dr. J.P. Moreland, a theology and philosophy professor who struggled with anxiety, 
wrote a book that's coming out soon. He's a friend of John Burke's, and John was telling us about it. And in that book, he talks about how 15 minutes of meditating, just like I described, has decreased anxiety in his life tremendously. And so here's what happens. After those 10 minutes or so, you, you pull out a journal, or, or then you grab your phone and start writing in the notes. What were some of the thoughts that you had that you think were from God? They could be strong thoughts that continued to reoccur or clarifying thoughts that came to mind. And now come up with an action plan on how you act on them. If that's that person that God put in your mind, maybe it's a, a text to check in, see if you could pray for them or see if you could get together with them. And when we start to act on what we hear from God, then we start to hear his voice more and more clearly. When we act in faith. So when you have these thoughts that are selfless, that require faith or courage, and they're consistent with the scriptures, don't push those thoughts away. They might feel like they're beyond what you're capable of doing or willing to do. The same God who whispered into your mind will give you the courage you need to act on these thoughts. Let me give you another type of prayer. This is called abiding prayer. See, the idea of beginning the day and ending the day, maybe that's where you need to start. Maybe that's a stretch for you. But there's a, another idea from the scriptures that takes it even up a notch. Listen to this in 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always. Right there, that's a hard one to apply to our lives, isn't it? It, it doesn't say complain much of the time. It says rejoice always, and then it gets even harder. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Wait, even the bad ones? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Have you ever wondered, what is God's will for my life? Well, right here, this verse tells us that we're to be people who are rejoicing and, and praying and giving thanks in all circumstances. We're experiencing joy regardless of the bad things that are happening to us. Now, this sounds incredibly daunting. Pray continuously. Well, actually, if you can learn to do this, it's incredibly freeing. In fact, if you've been around Gateway long enough, you've heard us talk about soul revolution. In fact, if you're here and you're new and you fill out that Connect card, I'm going to give you a little secret. The gift we have for you is, includes the Soul Revolution book. And in that book, John Burke wrote about this idea of this 60-60 challenge. For 60 days, you try to pray at the top of the hour, every 60 minutes. And, and when he wrote this, this was before, you know, Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates, whoever invented apps. Maybe that was Steve Jobs. Before whoever invented apps, uh, he was writing about 60-60. Well, instead of a little watch with a timer, now you can get an app. And every 60 minutes, it'll pop up with a verse. And you'll hear a song just to remind you to pray. And it's amazing how the day can go by and you'll forget there even is a God. Right? You get so busy and then all of a sudden that alarm goes off and it reconnects you to, oh, that's right. I'm going to just pray. And whatever that verse is, you read that verse and you thank God and you just reconnect with him throughout the day. And it gets easier and easier as you do it. It's interesting. I had, uh, we were doing this challenge a few years back and I was talking to somebody I had just met for the very first time, and we were at a Barton Hills choir concert. That's my little girl's choir back in the day, and so we're at this concert, and he had a mutual friend there, and we're getting to know each other, and then all of a sudden, his phone goes off, and my phone goes off at the exact same time, and he looks down, and he said, oh, sorry about that. 
I'm doing this challenge at my church. And I was like, oh, well, so am I. Are, are you a part of Gateway? And he said, yes. You know what? You've looked familiar to me this whole time. <laughs> he said, you baptized me last year on a Wednesday night. He wasn't a stranger at all. And we were reconnected because of the miracle of the Soul Revolution app in that moment. But you will be amazed. Sometimes those verses come through and it's exactly what you needed to hear in that moment. Sometimes you'll be frustrated with something going on at work or something at home, and then you'll be reminded to pray, and it's like peace that had eluded you for the previous hour suddenly is back. There's this beautiful story in the scriptures. Maybe you've heard the story of Mary and Martha. These were two sisters that shared a mom and dad but did not share the same personality. And they were actively hosting Jesus, but they took two different approaches. Martha was incredibly busy. She was working hard, constantly stressed, running around, trying to make sure everything was taken care of. She was burdened and anxious. And her guest, Jesus, rebukes her. He says this in Luke 10, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. Have you ever thrown a party and you're always forgetting about that one thing? What is it? The other night, we had this big graduation party. Over 100 people showed up for these four kids. My son was one of them. It was this great time. And there were no plates <laughs> for the food. And so I ran over to Dollar General, got some plates, brought it back. Well, guess what? Yesterday, I got in my car to drive around, and I saw the plates. They were in there the whole time. <laughs> they weren't missing at all. But in this instance, Martha's running around and, and maybe even worrying about the one thing. What is the one thing we're missing? What is the one thing we're missing? Jesus even says, you're running around worried about all the wrong things. There's one thing missing. Well, what is the one thing missing? Well, the scriptures go on to tell us what the one thing missing was. You see, Martha's sister Mary, it tells us in Luke 10.39, sat at the Lord's feet listening. If you're going to throw a party for Jesus, the Son of God, you should probably take time to sit down and listen. But how often do we run around, even doing good things, and we miss what the creator of the universe, what God wants to say to us? See, the way we love God is by listening and responding, by obeying him, trusting him. And this isn't just a 10-minute thing. It's needed constantly in our life. In fact, on the way to Gethsemane, Jesus picks up a branch and he's talking with his disciples. He says, look, you're like a branch and I'm like the vine. And he says to them this in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from you, for me, you can do nothing. Well, that's, that's a pretty bold statement. You can't do anything. I mean, come on, Jesus, I've started businesses. I've started a family. I, I, I'm a great parent. You can think all those things. But what he's trying to say is to live life in continual conversation with God allows us to become the person we were created to be. It's abiding. It's constant connection with him. John 5, 8, 19 says, Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Staying connected to the source. 
Well, there's a third type of prayer. It's called the prayer of solitude and silence. Dallas Willard was the head of the Department of Philosophy at USC and a follower of Jesus. And he said that solitude and silence are the most important spiritual practices for our noisy, busy generation. It's a form of prayer where you learn to be instead of just do. Mark 6 says it like this. Because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. Jesus said to the 12 apostles, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. See, when we do this, it solidifies our identity in God. We're not just trying to please the people around us. We actually come from a place of trying to connect with God, pleasing God, and then we say yes and say no according to what is actually best. Ephesians 3, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. See, when you and I connect with God, when we say, I need what Jesus did on the cross to count for me, I need forgiveness, I need you to be my leader, then all of a sudden we are acknowledging that we are loved by God. And out of that love, we are motivated to live new lives and to stay connected with him along the way. Are you getting away for solitude and for silence? Now, I have to be honest, that has not come easy to me. Maybe, maybe some of you, that's, that's your go-to move, solitude and silence. For some of us, that is the last thing. We don't even know how to be silent by ourselves. I grew up in a home where there was a TV in every room, even the kitchen, and, and the same show was on in every room so that my mom could walk around and never miss a word. And I'm the same thing. I come home and I just want to turn on the television just to have this noise in the background. Solitude and silence. Many of you know Jamie Schwartz. She's overseeing our recovery work along with our kids, teaming with Sue Linda. And she told this great story because she's really good at solitude and silence. She was out at Peternalis and she was sitting in the water and just praying. And she doesn't know how long she was there, but she was just still and connecting with God. And when she opened her eyes, she looked up and she saw vultures circling her. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've never been that still for that long. That the birds of the air thought I was a meal. But I, I'm going to work on this during my sabbatical. I, I want to connect with God in a way that's new for me. And solitude and silence is something I'm really wanting to work on. You know, this last uh, week, my wife and I started watching uh, the Shrek movies. I think perhaps because that was like our son's favorite. Now he just graduated high school. And now our kids won't watch Shrek with us. But Trevi let me in on something. My daughter Trevi came up and said, you know, Dad, as a kid, I really love the Shrek movies because I thought Shrek looked like you. Yeah, there he is. So I decided on my sabbatical, I'm going to grow out my hair. So when I come back, I'm going to look more like Prince William. <laughs> or, or maybe David Letterman. I'm not sure. Maybe which one of the two. But I want to ask you, what is your next step when it comes to trusting God with prayer? H how does he want to stretch you? Is it solitude and silence? Is it connecting with him in prayer throughout the day? Or, or is it just taking those first 10 minutes, those last 10 minutes of the day? 
You know, 40% of us, when we did the survey, said that anxiety and anxious thoughts constantly plague us. What if we were to take that anxiety as a cue, as a reminder, oh, that's right, I need to stay connected to God. Every time you get an anxious thought, it's a reminder to pray. It's a reminder to connect with him. 